enterprise continues Stop letting people talk you out of your power. How do we build a movement that allows us to respond to all the names that people don't know? People begin to think it's isolated. That's the problem. We're not angry enough. This is Life After the Impact, a podcast for impacted families by impacted families that focuses on what happens after the media, the lawyers, and the activists are gone. When the cameras are gone, people leave. We have to be there for each other. Impacted families are left to face the loss of a loved one to police-sponsored violence. We will focus on their continued fight for justice and how you can get involved. I tell families, you know, fight. Everybody can do something that you don't have to sit home and feel helpless and hopeless. We gotta stop allowing people to talk about our power. That's the main thing. can't change overnight. But we gotta start somewhere, might as well go ahead start here. We didn't the root of state sponsored violence, be it through the slave patrol in the 161700s, be it through the lynch mob in the 171800s, be it through law enforcement, is grounded in the history of racism and white supremacy in this country and the disregard for black life. There were a, a whole host of stereotypes that went along with the enslavement of African people. And one of the most predominant stereotypes um, and fallacies about black people, black men in particular, is that just by nature and just by biology, black men are a threat, um, mm. are aggressive, are violent, um, and later are criminal. The books, the narratives, the media still portray Black people and people of African descent in that same stereotypical and fallacious way. So the same stereotypes that were used to justify our enslavement are the same stereotypes that people are using to judge us and characterize us now, and it's dangerous. Good evening. My name is Roxanne Johnson. My son's name is Jamal Bird. He's murdered on October the 1st, 2019 by DC Metropolitan Police. I'm here with my um, brilliant co-host, uh, Latoya. Good evening, Latoya. What's going on, Roxanne? How are you? I am well, thank you. All right. All right, you guys. My name is Latoya Benton. Um, I am the mother of Xavier Hill, Xavier was killed by two GSA troopers uh, January the 9th, 2021, at the tender age of 2018. Um, mm -hmm. We are here tonight to be joined by Mrs. Karen. Um, is it pronounced Sutherland? Is that correct? Yes. All right, Karen, you want to give a brief introduction of who you are, please? Uh, I'm Karen Sutherland. I'm the mother of Shane Sutherland. Uh, he was 29 years old and he was killed by two Stockton, California police officers um, on October 8th of 2020. Mm -hmm. we're, um, we're so sorry for your loss. Thank you. Karen, I'm sorry for your losses as well. Thank you. And But we're um, happy to have you this evening to discuss uh, your son's case. And your, uh, your fight for accountability and justice. Tell us a little bit about what's going on. Um, 
So right now, um, um, we're waiting for trial. We're scheduled for trial in October of this year. Um, in October of 2020, when my son was killed, um, we, you know, we rallied and did protests outside the police department, the district attorney's office, uh, demanding accountability for those officers. Um, and in October of 2021, we filed a federal civil rights lawsuit against um, the city of Stockton, the former police chief, um, Eric uh, Jones, and um, the two officers that killed my son. So right now we're just waiting for trial, which is supposed to be in October of this year. Okay, let's go back a little bit, um, just real fast, before we jump to that kind of, I don't want to confuse people. Uh, let's talk about what happened to Shane, um, like without going into his detail, what happened to him, and as far as the officers even being indicted, were they indicted at all? I'm going to try um, so basically, uh, Shane, uh, you don't want me to go into too much detail, but, oh, but, but no, not though, you know, you know what I mean. Okay. So Shane, uh, was at a, um, AM PM store, which is like a little mini mark, um, in, in California, he was there in the morning, um, and the police were called. He wasn't, he wasn't threatening anybody or doing anything. He was just standing in the store. He actually wanted the store to call um, for a taxi cab and they called 911. And so the police showed up and they escorted Shane outside. He was complying with them. Um, he sat down on the curb. He gave them his driver's license. He was answering all their questions um, <clears throat> and they were belittling him and um, you know, just being very you know rude. Um, and he was still answering their questions. Uh, Shane stands up very fast. Um, he does not look like he was trying to run. He just stood up real fast like something spooked him. And he turned around right into the officers and they tackled him to the ground. Um, and for the next almost nine minutes, they had him handcuffed in the prone position um, while he kept telling them he couldn't breathe and that he was dying. And one officer was sitting on his back with his elbow into the side of Shane's neck. And the other one had a baton um, restraining Shane and they ignored his pleas for help. And um, he, he died because of that. And even though we have written letters, we have gone public many times demanding accountability, the San Joaquin County District Attorney Ron Friedis uh, did not press charges against those cops. So I am, um, we have already written, my attorney wrote to the Attorney General here in California um, a while back before the decision of the district attorney, um, he wrote a letter to Rob Bonta asking him to open up the case and do an investigation. And um, he declined at that time saying that until there's a decision from the district attorney, they don't, um, they don't get involved. Well, now, since the district attorney has decided that, you know, that they're not going to press charges, um, we are drafting a letter again to ask uh, 
the attorney general to open the case and do an investigation because we want accountability. Um, the whole thing's on video, everything's on video, and it clearly shows what happened. And there's no way that my son was ever a threat. He had no weapon. He didn't threaten anybody at all. And you're saying the way he was restrained, that's what caused him to die. Yes. So um, there was an autopsy done um, the day after by the San Joaquin County coroner, who is affiliated with, you know, the sheriffs and the police department. So um, we also had an independent autopsy done by Dr. Bennett Amalu. Um, he now, had how did you guys were able to do that? I'm sorry? How would you able to do that? Uh, my dad, my dad paid for that because I didn't trust that we would get an honest autopsy from a coroner that works for that county. Because, um, you know, again, we're the podcast is about action, right? It's mm -hmm. about action, also about educating others. Um, when this happens, we don't know what to do. And we don't know if that's even an option, right? Uh, because in that we have to go that the state says we go that route so it's good to know that that is an option to get out for autopsy done that you can't pay for on your own it, it is an option and one other thing that i have learned since then i mean you know when they kill your child or your loved one they don't give you a book and tell you what to do like this is all i would have never spoke one word to a police officer or law enforcement had i known then what i know now absolutely not i don't even talk to you now yeah. Never. I would never, ever talk to them. Um, but what I have found out since then is, um, you know, luckily, you know, my dad was able to pay for that. I, I wouldn't have been able to. Um, and I asked him, you know, can we please do this? Because I want an honest, um, I want, I want an honest answer. Well, Colin Kaepernick also has a, um, I don't know if it's like a foundation but he will help people in this situation that have been killed by law enforcement and he will pay for uh, independent autopsies. So, um, I mean, obviously I didn't know about that back then. And, you know, when this happens, you're very limited on time. So, um, but that's, that is something that should be out there too. If anybody, I mean, we never want to hear about more families going through this, but um, I do know of a family that that used that, and and he paid for their son's independent autopsy. Mm -hmm. oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Right. So they <clears throat> they decided not to press charges criminally. So that's how you got to this place where you're doing a civil lawsuit. Yes. Mm -hmm. We filed the civil lawsuit before they determined whether they were going to press charges or not. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I was hoping that they would do the right thing. Uh, there mm -hmm. was a, a different district attorney at the time. Her name was Tori Verber Salazar. Um, and right before she left um, office or whatever, before the new DA took over um she her and i had a conversation on the phone and she assured me that she had briefed him on my son's case and mm. she assured me you know that he was going to do the right thing 
which was nothing. Right. Right. <laughs> so so can we can we talk just a little bit about you know when you decide to do a civil lawsuit, first you gotta find a lawyer who will take your case, right? Yes. Then you gotta have some cha-ching to uh as a retainer or whatever fee. Is it like tens of thousands or is it Trust me, it's uh, so in Xavier's case, uh, the first lawyer we and then you got like you said, you gotta find a lawyer who's not gonna rip you off, right? And you gotta find the one who's gonna be honest. So the first lawyer we uh, spent fourteen thousand dollars, literally, we had to pay five thousand dollars to retain that lawyer, and she wanted the money within a certain amount of time, just to tell me that she couldn't do the case. So that was that was that was my experience. Cameron, what was your experience with your lawyer? So um, I'm not sure if this is everywhere, but here in California, um, there's lawyers that will take cases based on uh, on contingency. So, so that that's how I was able. Um, I had the I had this is my second attorney that I've had. The first one I had, uh, we just didn't agree on how things were going. I wanted to go a different direction. So. Um, but he he took my case on contingency and and basically what that is is they look at all the the evidence and the details and if they think that it's a good case they take their chances on it pretty much and um so my attorney that i have now he did the same he did the same thing so i have not had to pay out of pocket for my attorney if um you know if there's any type of you know settlement in the case and he will take from that well, well, I want to say this. My only issue with that is this, right? Um, I feel like everyone should be afforded the right to justice. Um, I completely get it. Well, I mean, kind of like healthcare, right? Uh, we all feel like we all should be entitled to some kind of form of healthcare as well, or whatever. When it comes to fighting for justice, like I said, you are you have the opportunity where you guys are able to have, you know, they say. If they're trying to look at the case and they think it's a slam dunk case, or they're able to get some kind of like um, financial gain off the case, and they'll then fight for justice for that family. But what about all the other families who don't get the opportunity like that, right? What if they don't have the money to retain a lawyer? So you have your case where you got the free lawyer, you have my case where I had to pay for the lawyer, and that was the first lawyer we paid for. Um, so far in Xavier's case, we paid about between the community also contributing funds as well, about $63,000. And I say it all the time online, right? As far as how much we paid for. So what are your thoughts as far as like everyone being the right to afford justice, right? Um, I don't think it's fair that sometimes that you got to turn into it. Cause I'm like, what, are you really fighting for justice or a paycheck? Yeah, I know. I absolutely agree. This whole, the whole system is corrupt, the whole thing. And I do, I feel like say if someone commits a crime and they appoint them a public defender. Okay. So why can't they do that to families um, that are going through this? I mean, and, and that's what I'm saying. I, I, I realize how blessed I am at least to have found an attorney to take my case and, um, and help fight us in, in this way. Um, but not, not every family. And I have talked to families that, that can't get an attorney and, you know, or have to pay thousands of dollars. I don't, I don't have thousands of dollars. There's no way I could have retained an attorney had I had to pay. Mm. So there, there's a couple of things from what you're saying, Karen. <clears throat> 
first of all, justice shouldn't have a price tag on it, but in this country, uh, it does. Um, it and it's a reason why the most marginalized people in our societies are, are in this society are the ones who end up to be victims of police state-sponsored violence because they know that we are not, we don't, you know, we don't have the uh, financial means to, to um, pursue. Secondly, secondly, in order for them to treat, give us a, def, uh, a defense attorney, right? Public defender they would have to be accountable and say, yeah, a crime happened to this family, which they right. ain't about to do. You know, right. they're not about to admit culpability. So, I mean, again, we got layers to, to um, unpack to try to get to the place where everybody should be able to afford yes. accountability, have a chance, have an opportunity to be uh, to to face the people who harmed them in this case the police department and to get uh, a justice no matter how if you got two pennies or you got ten and this and is how I feel like it to me you know when they're when they're paying out these settlements they're I mean you you these district attorneys I don't I don't know who who's responsible for you know bringing up charges where you guys are at but. Um, here it's the district attorneys. They all hang out with the police departments. You know, they all have parties and Christmas things and gatherings and they do all this stuff together. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. And so to me, it's like, you know, you're, you're pay out these lawsuits, whether you pay a penny or you pay, you know, $50 million, you're guilty and you know, you're guilty and that's it. That's all. And, um, you know, to me, I, I know we all say justice, but we never get justice. It doesn't matter how much of a payout. It doesn't matter anything. Like, I want accountability. I want those police officers to be held accountable just like a normal sit. I have said this so many times when I speak on, uh, you know, when I'm out at rallies or if I'm speaking to a journalist or a reporter, I have said this so many times that if this were a normal citizen, that did this to my son, they would have already had a sentence in prison. So what's right. the difference? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because they're committing acts of violence at the state in, in for the state, in your case, and for the state of California. That's the difference. Yeah. And that's what needs there's to no stop. There's no justice though. There's no justice. No, there's no justice in that because like you said, they will be held accountable just like anybody else. When you commit a, an act like this, they need to be held accountable. When I said that to the district, the district attorney had his deputy investigator or whatever you call them, call me when they determined that they weren't going to press charges against the two cops. Um, when he called me, I said that to him. I said, if this were a normal citizen, they would have already been prosecuted. He laughed at me, not just, <laughs> he laughed, like chuckled at me when I, when he said that. And I was like, you're going to laugh at me. You're going to laugh at a mother whose son was killed by your police officers in such a brutal way. And you're going to laugh at me when I say that. Mm -hmm. they, yeah. They're just, they're evil. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. Like you said too, even when I, I think again, 
we like to say also, um, you know, culture condition, right? We have been culture conditioned as a people to say about the word justice. We actually know, in all actuality, you have so many cases where they do payoffs. Um, they'll do a whole trial and then the officer get about four or five months or whatever. And we also, and then I, I saw a case recently where some dude got his job back and he got his back pay. It was some crazy shit. Like he got maybe like, um, he talked about like thousands of dollars that this dude got back at him back after he got out of the force, you know? And it's kind of like, how is that right for the family period? Even if, you, even if all that happens, what what kind of presence does that set for the whole system, right? So there is, it's not just at all, period, when there's not any kind of accountability set in place at all, period. None. Mm -hmm. And, and they, in, in, in our area, Karen, they want to give the police even more uh, power than they already have. They have a crime bill in DC that will um, that will uh, turn back the time. People in DC, pay attention, call your council members and basically have uh, some of the uh, criminal uh, penalties back in, as they were back in 1994. Now I'm old enough to remember, y'all might not be old enough to remember 1994, but in 1994, they had crime bills where people would get uh, <clears throat> three strikes and you out. Mm -hmm. They have most, the most severe crime bills ever. However, how does that help the community? How does that help? You know, where's the prevention? Where's the activities for, for young people so they have some place to go? Uh, you know, back in my day was the rec centers. Where are the, where are the activities for these kids? You're setting them up to be the next part of the criminal, uh, the enterprise, That's you cool. know? Yeah. So, right. so unfortunately, I know all about the three strike rule. <laughs> I was a horrible driver when I got my license, and that's how Virginia was. Literally, they they were sending people to jail for a three strike rule on a license. Then they got rid of that, you know. But again, it was profits for them because people going to jail, you got to pay these fines off and stuff. You're gonna pay the fines off because you wanted your license. So it was a cycle, right? And these drivers are stopping in between time. You're stopping drivers or whatnot. And you get these police incidents that happen to these police shootings cycle all over again. They know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And they think that we don't remember. That's the other thing. They yeah. think that we don't remember. And a lot of us have short memories. But I ain't one of them. And I want to remind us as, as, as a group of people who've been impacted negatively by police enforcement that we can't, you know, fall for the okie doke. We got to stay on this. We got to keep legislation. You know, um, I know the state of California happens to be more of one of the more progressive states and they do have some legislation, but they, they ain't got no legislation to keep these killer cops. But, but let me tell you the problem with that. Okay. They, they do have laws and all this stuff, but they don't enforce it on their law enforcement. So That's it's, it's for us, it's for us citizens, but for them, it doesn't matter. It does. They don't enforce it on them. That's the problem. Even somebody, the somebody, laws for them. Somebody in the comments literally just said in here, hell, they're generally untouchable. The laws protect them, not the victims and their families. Go ahead, Karen. No, that, I absolutely agree with that. That's exactly right. Um, th they don't apply to them at all. Like there's, there are laws out there, you know, that protect citizens. I mean, look at our, you know, look at our rights, look at our amendments and they, they disrespect that every single day. 
and they take people's lives. You know, they have, we have, we have a right to life and they just, they don't respect that at all. And they are not held accountable. So they do not apply to them. They only apply to us. And that is what I've been saying this entire time. That's, you know, if it were a normal citizen, a regular citizen without a badge, they would surely be held accountable and really fast. And like you said, and then they pay, they, they make these payouts where actually the payouts are our tax dollars, right? That yep. are paying these, these um, killer cops. Yeah. Oh. Make them get liability insurance. That's what needs to happen. They need to carry their own liability insurance. And when they get, when they get these lawsuits and then they can't get insurance anymore, they can no longer be uh, an officer. And this stuff, you know, that and start holding them accountable as a regular citizen, they should have to abide by the same laws that we do. You know, you do that and this stuff will most likely stop. Mm -hmm. Almost like when you have doctors, right? Doctors that are allowed to do certain things as well, right? Um, certain things they cannot do, they're allowed to be sued because they're held accountable. So it shouldn't be just because you're a police officer, um, you get, you know, this protection or whatever. But I think part of the issue, too, is that, you know, we as a community, we have begun, we already recognize the problem. Somebody said before, they're not, they didn't just start doing this. So even with the cameras and stuff, they got cameras now. Okay, but we've been on what's going on. What are we going to do to actually, you know, begin to move forward um, to move the needle? People think a lot of times, too, we file the civil action lawsuits. They're like, oh, my God, use my money. It's not about that. Somebody has to be held accountable for what they do. And I go to Walmart and I slip. I'm, I'm not gonna say oh, okay. It's just I'm hurt myself or not. I'm gonna go sue Walmart. It's the same damn thing. Or not? It's not because you're a police officer. You're not held accountable for what you do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They uh, and not the, not the hark on this again, but just to, just to piggyback on what you were saying. Part of the new law that they want to enact in D.C would give the, the uh, police uh, officers a chance to review the videotape that they have on their body cam before they write their report. Huh. Can you believe that? That's like you giving me the answers to the quiz before I take the quiz. And I absolutely believe it because that's how they operate. Mm -hmm. What the heck? No, they operate like that too, but we also, again, as community, we gotta pay attention, right? So this goes back to we said every week when it goes back to voting and knowing what's going on in legislation, but it can't pass bills like that. Think about how we we all have been impacted by these cases. Um, I'm not sure about saying as far as footage came out in your case, but I know exactly we had to like press them to get footage to come out for Xavier's case, and then we had to make an appointment to see the footage. So imagine somebody having a one up. You know, and they're allowed to cheat and say what they got to say whatnot prior to, and they got the media on their side and everything else, and you're waiting for them to make their story up for you to, you know, then protect your loved one who has no voice anymore. That's not fair. That's not. It's just not. Yeah. 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 Well, as your case gets closer, Karen, please keep us, um, you know, informed. We will put it on our, our page and people who are in the Stockton area. Is that Northern California? Yes. Yeah, in the Stockton area. Be on alert. We, we're going to ask you to, to uh, you know, help come out and support Karen Sutherland and her family. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Yeah. Um, shame. 
with a beautiful family, with a beautiful set of pictures. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. Is it he have? He had two children and three stepchildren. And um, yeah, he, his, his, ch his children were five and three when he was killed. Wow. How old are they now? Uh, eight and six. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think a lot of times too, people forget about you know the kids. It's the mm -hmm. kids they suffer from that too, whatever, because they you know they're not gonna know their dad. They might have memories of who he was, but to go without a father, you know, and not even even that, they think they could just snatch somebody from them, and they got kids behind them as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my my grandson, you know, he was five, but he um he remembers his dad just like it was yesterday and he he really has a hard time he struggles um you know my granddaughter she she was little but she still remembers him and i think um you know because her mom and everything keeps pictures of him and we have videos you know i'm one of those me and her both are just a picture taker and a video taker and i'm so glad that i i, I that i'm like that sometimes it annoys my kids but you know, when that's all you have left, you're really grateful for all of that. And um, so, you know, we keep his memory alive. Um, he he was a coach for um, the kids' football team, the Manteca Chargers. So we're both of his kids now, his um, little Shane plays football and Demetria is a cheerleader for the team. So we're very much involved with that. And the team misses him a lot. And they, they keep a banner, uh, a banner, on the field at every home game of, sh of a picture of Shane in memory of him. So that's amazing. That's totally amazing. Well, like I said, keep us posted. Like what Sandra said, keep us posted on um, the court dates coming up in any way possible that we can be supportive, whether it be from sharing the flyer, um, the next court support, because you know, nobody should go to court alone. Um, they say all the time that the injustice happened in empty courtrooms because. You know, they feel like, and I say they, um, the, the system, the, the, the judges, and all whatnot, when people go to court by themselves, their family, they know the community is not watching, again, they get away with the shit. And even when the court was packed, they get away with shit too, but not people that are stayed on their neck. That's the thing. We can't let up. We can't, at one point in time, we're like, okay, we're, we're hot on the case, and then we like, we fall back. We got to stop doing that, y'all. Let's stop being consistent with the rest, like, you know, keep going at it. I agree with that. Absolutely. And as, um, as it gets a little closer, I will definitely make a flyer, um, and share it with you guys. Um, and because I really do need the support. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what we're here for. You know, again, like I said, that's what we're here for. I can't stress that enough. Um, Thank you. you know, cause we have to, again, build the community. That's important. We, uh, we talked last week with April and can you get a chance why episode we did last about organizing. And one thing we talked about again about is it's about our relationships. This is not about, you know, we're talking today and we'll talk again in like three or four months. No, we need to check on each other, make sure we are okay. So we yeah. can go forward. That's important as well. So, and uh, speaking of that, Roxanne kept hitting on a couple good points as far as um, the laws within our area, right? You guys, as y'all know, let's see the right corner. So we're trying to get organized as far as um, voting is concerned. So as we're doing it here in our area, we encourage you guys also to do it in your area as well. Organize your own, be attached to one. Make sure that you are registering the vote, but not just registering the vote, you're exiling the vote. 
make sure that you also look for the canvas or what laws are out there that can affect your daily life because I promise you they are affecting your daily life, you know, and um, looking at those laws. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely good points. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there anything um, else you would like to leave us with, um, Karen? Um, no, I mean, I appreciate you guys having me on and, um, you know, I just encourage people, you know, keep sharing stories, the story of your loved one, um, and <clears throat> stay in the fight. I mean, it's tiring. It is, but you know what? I'll, I'm going to fight till I die and that's it. I will never stop telling my son's story and what happened and the injustice that was served to him and his whole entire family and everybody else that, that deals with this. And, I, I guess I hope that people start opening their eyes because I, I mean, I never thought that I would be sitting here like this. And, um, you know, it just, it's a horrible situation. It's, it's horrible and heartbreaking and it's something that nobody deserves to go through and things need to change. Like they need to change. And the only way for that to change is for them to start holding these officers accountable and, um, you know, that, that's it really the civil, the civil suits, they don't, it doesn't affect them at all. You don't have to pay for it. Um, but they need to start being held accountable and going to jail and prison for what they do. Yeah. Yeah. But sick though, right. They're not, not just go to jail and prison what they do. It is that time is sick. I'm tired of officers going to jail to slap on the wrist. Like you said, again, if your son was a regular person and a person killed your son, they going to jail for a duration of time. It's not going to be 14, 15 months you're getting out of jail. That's what the problem is. Oh, yeah, is. no, I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm saying they need to be prosecuted just like a normal citizen would. Right, to the fullest extent, and that's what the issue is, you know. So like you said again, stay in the fight, you know. We all got to stay in the fight. It, it is very tiring, but stay in the fight. We, we got to have just, you know, keep the flame burning. Yep, mm -hmm. and you know what? Be prepared. And this is what I tell families that I that I talk to because you know I I work with Marissa on Voices of Strength and uh, and uh, so when there's families you know sometimes you know we'll you know I talk to them or whatever and that's one of the first things I tell them is be prepared to lose family members and friends people that you thought were friends because I'll tell you what my circle was pretty decent size before this and now I mean. It's next to nothing. And that's okay because I know who is real in my life, but um, <clears throat> it makes people uncomfortable that you're speaking out. Well, you know, if it happened to them, trust and believe they would be speaking out too. So that doesn't stop me. I've had plenty of people tell me things. I've had a lot of support too, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible in every way, you know. They expect you to move forward, you know, with your life. Um, and it's like, you know, if, if you were the same person, you wouldn't just move forward with your life. It's not, it's not like a, a um, people say all the time that this is a, 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 a visit of a movement or whatever. No, it's a lifestyle. Like we can't cut this off. Even if we want it to, we can't cut it off. So we, this is like what we do every single day, whether we want it to or not. So people expect you to kind of like just get over it and like move forward or you should be doing something else that's playing time it's like no because you live in the same shoes i promise you you be doing exactly what i'm doing right now yeah this is our life now you know yeah. our life our life changed and there's no going back so you, you'll never be that same person ever 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 
Well, I would like to leave by saying, um, say his name. Shane Sutherland. Shane Sutherland. Say his name. This Shane has been Sutherland. Shane Sutherland. This has been Life After the Impact. Listen, but get involved, y'all. Peace. Night. Thank you. Justice. Yes. People have to realize like they got to realize too the importance of even with her case to them being qualified immunity in that area. Mm-hmm. When families stick into the fight, and people got to realize too, when it comes to civil lawsuits, people love to say, "Oh, it's blood money." No, it's setting precedents for other cases that are behind these cases, so you can prove a point. So it's very important her family sat in the fight and is stuck in the fight. So that we realize that you can you can be qualified immunity. You got to stick in the fight. You got to be persistent and consistent in order to, to be called immunity. Your, your family actually did. You guys did it. Yeah, and, and exactly what you're saying. Also, you know, it's there's so many families that are going to experience those times when they're trying to force mm-hmm. us to take a settlement, force us to mm-hmm. just drop it, scare us Can't out of it. That. It's happening so much, you know, yeah. and I understand it's a scary place for families to be. I knew with my brother's case specifically and the evidence we have, once it's actually pulled out, you know, you'd it's it's there. They've right. the whole world. Yes. It, and, and, you know, I feel bad for families if we don't have the evidence, if we don't have the videos, if there were no witnesses. I'm thankful that we eventually, you know, it took years to get what we got, but. I Got am it. thankful that we know the truth because it's what I always knew, but I didn't have the physical evidence and now we do. So I tell families, you know, fight, just fight it. Everybody can do something that you don't have to sit home and feel helpless and hopeless. We gotta stop allowing people to talk us out of our power. That's the main thing. can't change overnight, but we gotta start somewhere. Might as well go ahead and start here.